We're very blessed today to have my pastor, Olin Griffin, and his lovely wife, Sybil, with us. And Pastor Olin oversees an apostolic network called the Antioch Oasis International, of which we are very much a part of that. And he continues to be our personal pastor and oversees the welfare of our soul and gives us counsel when we need it. And so we are blessed to have with us today uh, one of the major parts of this body here to bring the word. Pastor Olin, come right on. Thank you. Thank you. I can, thank you very much. Thank you. I can hardly believe that you guys have been here 20 years. Can you believe that? 20 years. I remember meeting in a home, the Smith home back here, uh, 20 years ago as this got started. Oh, you've been a long way. You've seen a lot of things. Am I right? Correct so far? I've got close to it anyway. <clears throat> been a long time, and oh, the worship is um, unbelievable. Oh, thank you. Now, to me, that's worship. You know, um, today, and this may not be pleasing to all of you, but but today, in today's world, there's less participation and more observation in the area of worship. Worship as an individual activity has to do with our heart. It's never been just a group activity. But as a group, it is an activity. It's not entertainment. It's worship. And there's a difference between what we experienced this morning and entertainment. And you know what I am talking about. You can go places and get entertained. But where can you go and not get confused about liking something and it being spiritual? Not all spiritual things do we necessarily like for the moment. Any of you understand what I'm saying? We agree with that. Not all. Because sometimes we go through difficulties that we look back on and say, man, that was really a spiritual time in my life, but I didn't know it. And so I sense in my heart today that people who are worshipers of God really need to be encouraged. There really does need to be this in our, in our heart to where we can meet God and we're changed into his image and he is glorified in our worship. And we, what I like about it is, to me, if we worship the Lord, I mean really worship him, as Jesus said, in spirit and in truth, we are transformed. It is, as far as I'm concerned, the leading element in our transformation that we are changed as from glory to glory in his presence. If you want to know what to do to be discipled, and you said, well, I don't have anyone to disciple me, why don't you try worshiping and let him him begin to work in your heart truth? Let that truth come up and you begin to say, that is so real on the inside of me that I've got to walk it. You see... 
I can look at the outside and say this is a rule, a law, or an agreement, and I've got to walk it. Or God can do something on the inside of us in his presence and in worship. Now then, I do it because it's in me. And I do it from the inside out. And worship brings us into that place. I believe worship is is being set aside in this hour for entertainment. And please don't don't confuse the two. I love entertainment too. I want entertainment, but it'll never ever substitute for true worship in spirit and in truth. And I want to commend this church. I want to commend you worship leaders. I want to commend all of you guys for Staying the course in worship and the presence of God. Don't you just... (laughs) We love you, Lord. (laughs) We love you. Love you. Love you. Thank you for touching people during this time of music worship during the time when pastor came up and spoke to us and gave us the gospel thank you for touching us thank you for touching us right this very moment Lord use your word to bring a pure sense of your presence in the earth God we glorify you with all of our heart in Jesus name Amen by the way, as um, you approach the women's conference, my wife will be sharing at the luncheon. We've been married 53 years, and it's just um, she'll. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna steal anything from from her because she'll probably be sharing what a critter I have been in in the past. I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bible, please, to uh, to the book of uh, Ruth. And um, I want to I want to pursue this thing of worship a little bit, but I want to pursue it maybe in a little different in a little different uh, form. Let me give you the background before we read it. I'm going to read to you verse 10 out of chapter 2, Ruth 10, chapter 2, and it's it's um, what it's after Joshua, after Judges, and. Um, before Samuel, back in the first part of the of the Bible, and and listen, don't it's no problem if you don't know where it is. Just take time and find it. No one's going to judge you because you don't know it. Bible, I don't know all. I don't know the arrangements of all of them that well myself, and I've been at it for years. So, do you ever get mental blocks? Do you just? I mean, every now and then, you know, you know exactly where Amos is, or what you thought you did, and you you go to where you thought Amos was, and it wasn't there. Have you ever done that? And you think, oh man, let's see what I'm going to do. I'm standing in front of everybody. I'm supposed to be the preacher, and I can't find Amos. What am I going to do? And so you run to the front of the Bible where all of the list is, and so oh, there it is on page 300 and whatever. And, you know, I've, I've done that so many times. Here, here's here's the background to the story. The main characters in this is Boaz. We know the story of Ruth well. Boaz, 
was the redeemer. In, in fact, he's the kinsman that had the authority to redeem Ruth and to bring Naomi back into the people of God. Because what happened was Naomi and her husband Ahimelech and their two sons left Bethlehem and went to Moab. The reason they did that was because there was a famine and they could go to Moab and find plenty to eat. So what happens is her two sons marry a Moabite woman or women. Then her husband dies, and then her two sons die. And she's in Moab as a widow with two daughters-in-law. What is she going to, what's going to happen? She gets word that no longer is there famine in Bethlehem, and so she tells her daughters-in-law, I'm going back home. So she heads back to the house, and uh, Orpah, not to be confused with Oprah, Orpah, uh, which actually means in Hebrew that her neck will turn, and she turned back to her family. In fact, Naomi tried to talk both of them into going back home, to their home in, in Moab, and or to stay there and go back to their family. But Ruth wouldn't do it. And, you know, Ruth, Ruth's name has to do with, with love and, and um, friendly and we're attached and everything. And sure enough, um, instead of kissing her as Orpah did and left, she clung to her and went back into the land. Now, she's back into the land, and, and there is no one to earn a living, so she begins to go out and to earn a living. Now, the owner of the land was Moab. I mean, was, um, yeah, what was his name? Yeah, Boaz was Boaz. The owner of the land was Boaz where she went. Now, Naomi, Boaz represents the Redeemer, that, that's the Lord in the story. Naomi represents the people of God. Ruth represents a Gentile who joined herself to the people of God. So in some sense, we can see the body of Christ as, as Naomi. And we can see ourselves joining ourselves to the body of Christ as Ruth. You got the story? So as we go through it, we're Ruth, and the rest of the body is like, is like Naomi. So here is verse 10, chapter 2. Y'all got it? Tell me, wait, before we do it, let me make sure. Who is Boaz? Redeemer. Representing in, in type who? The Lord. Naomi is who? The body of Christ. And Ruth represents who? Us as believers. Being joined to the body of Christ. It is true in the scripture. I'm not telling you something new. This is, this is well known. Verse 10. So she fell on her face and she bowed down to the ground. You know this word bowed is the word shakah, which means to worship. The Hebrew word shakah, meaning to worship. 
She went and she bowed down. Who did she bow down to in verse 10? To, Bo- to Boaz and said, why have I found favor? She said to him in worship, in bowing down, why have I found favor? In submission to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. She was a foreigner in the land, but she had committed herself to Naomi. In chapter 1, you remember this story that we hear, the, or the phrase that we hear all the time in weddings, entreat me not to leave you nor to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people should be my people. Your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death departs us. That is in chapter 1. That is the commitment that Ruth made to Naomi. That it doesn't matter what happened, your God will be my God. But she was a foreigner when she came into the land, and she still saw herself as a foreigner attached to the people of God. And so she gets redeemed by the Lord and brought into the family of God. But here she comes, and she says, How come that i found favor in your eyes? How come is it that you take notice of me? And I want you to see something clearly. It is because of, of two things, and I want to talk about those two things just a moment, but I want you to notice what he says. Notice what he says in the very next verse. And Boaz, in verse 11, answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Now, how many of you, when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, came to a people that you didn't know before? When you were born again, you were born into the kingdom family. You were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And I can tell you that in my own experience, I have found that those of us who are in the blood covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ together, in the family of God together, my family in God is closer than my own blood family. Now, I don't understand that. I am not casting my blood family off. I still love them and appreciate everything that they have added to my life all of these years. But I can't help it. I know that when I am in the family of God, I know that I am closer than blood kin. That something has happened in the Spirit that has caused there to be a release of God's joining Spirit. I have been joined like Levi to the body of Christ. And you're my body, and we are the body of Christ together, and we have been committed to walk in this kind of walk. Your God will be my God. Wherever you go, I will go. Whatever you go through, I am going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to serve you until the day I die, because this is my initial commitment to people. It is in Jesus Christ. Right? What made her know that she'd come into that place of commitment? She made the commitment. 
What did she make the commitment to do? To be with the body of Christ. Right? You know what commitment is? Commitment is a word that is oftentimes watered down today. When we're committed, it means there's no option. And see, believers today want to take options in relationships. Worship, I'm just going to throw out little things as God speaks to my heart. Worship is relational. We can't say, we're going to talk about it in a moment, that we love God and we hate our brother. If we say we love you, Lord, and we hate someone, the Bible says we're a liar. So if I'm going to worship him, that means I have to be in right relationship not only with him, but I have to be in right relationship with the body of Christ. And that causes worship to be of the spirit and in truth. So so here, here, here she is. I am committed. Committed means no options. Committed means I am with you from now on, period. Do you know that when Naomi came back, Ruth called her Naomi. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Naomi's daughter-in-law. And, and Naomi heard it and said, don't call me Naomi any longer. Call me Mara, bitter. Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. I am bitter. I have lost a husband. I've lost two sons. I've, I've been in the, out in Moab. I'm now back. And I've been dealt with badly by God. And I am mad about it. And I'm bitter. And don't call me pleasant anymore. And she still was committed to oh bitter. She didn't say, well, I don't look like her attitude. I was committed to her. But her attitude has changed. And now then, she doesn't even feel about God, or she says she doesn't even feel about God the way she used to feel about God. And therefore, I am free from my commitment. That is not true. July the 20th, 1969, Columbia was circling the moon and released Eagle. I went through the whole transcript. You can find it online, the whole transcript. And here Eagle is coming around, slowing down, slowing down. Buzz Aldrin is at the controls, slowing down, slowing down, slower, slower. And they're coming down closer. And it just, I, I got goosebumps all over me just reading the transcript online. And they're, you know, it, it, they'd say Eagle Houston, Houston Eagle, and like, like that, talking like that. Oh, oh, I got so excited. And then things begin to go wrong on the inside. There's boulders below them. And you may not know this, but Buzz Aldrin had to take over at the last minute and move it over from the original landing spot, or they were going to land on boulders. And they were going down for 30 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. And I was going, Ten miles now. They got to they got to a place in their descent where they couldn't turn back. They had to land. It may have been green cheese. <laughs> they didn't know what they. I mean, you know, really, they, what what's going to happen? And you know what they said, Eagle Houston. We're committed. There needs to be something to happen in the body of Christ that would say, 
even when people are bitter in the house of God. I am committed when people are going through things that they don't understand and we don't understand. We can still say, I'm committed. How many of you women or or husbands, as far as that go in in marriage, would say at at the wedding vows, why? I'm committed 364 days a year. (laughs) How many of you want to take that kind of commitment? No, no, it's not optional. It's 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, 60 minutes an hour and 60 seconds a minute that I am committed to my spouse and we're committed to the body of Christ in somewhat the very same way. And whenever we say we're committed, it actually means we're, we, we are committed to love. And, and commitment means that I am con- going to do whatever it is that is necessary to do. Because we can't say that we love and not have action. Love is not a noun. Love is a verb. And we take it as a noun. It's a verb. Love has action in it. Well, how did she know? How did he, she said, how how did I find this favor with you, God? How many of you want the favor of the Lord upon your life? Now listen, l- let me tell you right now, we have favor. We, we're, we're saved because of favor. There's no doubt about that. But I'm talking about the kind of favor that has to do with relationships with other people. Favor in life. Do you recall when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? Do you remember what happened? It said that that they asked of the Egyptians for all of their silver and gold, and it says that God put favor in their hearts. And they gave them all of their silver and gold and jewels and everything precious, and they plundered them, and they left Egypt. Why? God put it in their heart. But how did God put it in their heart? Because the Egyptians had seen the way they had served Egypt for hundreds of years. 300 years, I believe it was, that they had seen how they'd been a servant people in the midst of the land, not taking anything away from them, but meaning good for Egypt. And they'd seen it, and now they were leaving, and God put favor in their hearts toward the toward the Israelis. And let, let me tell you something. God wants to put favor in people's hearts toward us. It is a joy to walk in favor. You know what favor is? Favor is like, when someone just does something and you don't even ask them for it. When things kind of work out right. When before, without favor, doesn't work out at all. And then with favor, it just we kind of hit at it and it happens. Wow, I'm walking in favor. I'm, I'm having favor with people. I go to a person. There's, I have favor in their sight. What is it? God's putting it in there. Why? We've seen Commitment in our lives toward O bitter and toward everybody else. He's seen the service because she went out and she walked, worked in the fields in order to gather a dangerous place. The girls got raped back in those days working out in the fields with the young men. And it was a dangerous place to be. And yet she did it anyway and brought in the food and God, Boaz, saw it. And you know what he did? I'm going to give you three things. You want, you want three results of, of favor? 
three results. Look in chapter, look in chapter uh, 2 again. Look at verse 8. Oh, no, verse, verse 7. Verse 6. <laughs> verse 5. No, verse 6. Verse 6. Well, no, verse 5. Let's go to verse 5. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Now, what he, happened was he had seen her. Oh. So the servant who was in charge of the reaper answered and said, This is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And, and she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Number one, Will you listen, my daughter? Will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. Number one is the will of God and the direction of God in your life. He saw her service and commitment and said, you start following these young women and and you will have all of the supply you need. I will give you direction. Thank you again. I, I'm, I need one on each side. And and I will I will give you direction. I, I, don't go anywhere else. How many of us hunger to know the will and the direction of God in our lives on a daily basis? That's the favor of the Lord. He looks down, he sees us, he works through other people and, and brings favor upon us through others in our daily walk. And says, hey, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to give you direction. Number two, he said, let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? Number two, protection. How many of you would like to have protection from the enemy? And just just to know confidence in that protection. That I am walking in a place where God is watching over me and protecting me. And he's already commanded everything around me. Hallelujah. Number three. This is the third, a third thing that she experienced as a, as a result of favor. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Number three is provision. The first, the first one is guidance or direction, the will of God. Number two is protection of God. And number three is the provision of God in our lives that even comes through other people. I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm not asking for a thing, and I wouldn't tell it if I thought I was going to stir up anything in you. For nine months, I've been praying for a 45 caliber Wimber. A Kimber, 45 caliber Kimber. You know what a Kimber is? A Kimber is the best handgun made in the United States of America. It is homemade. I can't afford it. I'd go by the gun shop and I would look in the gun shop. I'd, I'd, I'd act like I was looking at other stuff that always end up where the Kimbers were. And I'd say, could, could, I, could I handle that, please? And could I look at it? Could I just feel it? $1,300 to $1,450. I can't afford one. Nine months. I didn't tell Sybil. I didn't tell anybody. That's my wife, Sybil. 
Sybil, Sybil, Sybil. I'm referring to her. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my best friends. I didn't tell anyone. So about three weeks ago, I'm in a meeting. It's before the service. We're back in the meeting room with some past, with some of the staff. This, one of the elders walk up to me, and he's a rancher elder, full-time uh, elder, but he's a rancher too and has been all of his life. I see him doing something. He pulls something out from behind his back, and he holds it out in front of him, and he said, is this a good handgun? I look at it, and I said, my eyes bug out. I, I immediately, the very one, the very type that I'd been looking at, modeling everything. And I said, yeah, I, yeah, that's pretty good. And he starts messing with it to try to get the, the magazine out of it, a clip out of it. And I thought, oh, here, I can show you. And I just pushed the clip button, popped it out. It's a 19, on a 1911 frame. You ladies probably don't know what that is, but it just, when you slide it back, go like that. No, 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 no bullet in it. I just hand it back to him. I said, yeah, I think that's the best one made in America. He said, I'm glad because I brought it down here to give it to you. I went, I said, what? I said, I haven't told anybody. And he said, well, the, you told the Lord, I suppose, because he said, I started out of my house. I've got several handguns. There hadn't been a box of ammunition fired through this thing. It's almost brand new. And I was walking out of the house, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, get that and give it to Pastor Griffin. I was blown away by it. Now, look, look, I'm just telling you guys, nine months I've been praying for that Wimber, and I got it. I, I just... Lord, if there was some favor, I don't understand it, but there's a favor in serving the body of Christ and serving individuals, not body of Christ collective, just like no who. No, body of Christ is always personal with the people that we know and are acquainted with. And so here's, here is the situation. I hope I didn't make any of you guys lust for that thing because it's just, oh, it, 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 it is called. But, you, you know, you know, she was called to be a servant to the body, as we all are. And I want you to look with me in one more place, actually in one more book, all the way back to the back of the Bible in First John. And I want you to read with me just in First John chapter 2, verse 20. We are... We are called to love. We're called to serve. But First John 1, chapter 2, verse... Yeah, First John 2, 2. What did I say? I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong page. First John, chapter 2, verse 8. Again, a new commandment. I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What is he saying? He's, you, you've known from the beginning, little children, fathers, young men, women. You've known from the beginning that the new commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of your heart your soul, and your mind, and your strength. And the second is likened to it, that you love 
one another. Here's the fulfilling of the law, John says in another place, that you love one another. And in the fulfilling, in loving each other, there will be the fulfillment of the law. So if we understand that John, John the writer of this gospel, never, 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 never uses the term law to express the Christian life. Never in all of John's writing does he, allude, does he use the word keeping the law in order to express the Christian walk. But he uses love, love, love. If you will love, you will fulfill the law of God. And when you begin to look at it and you say, I cannot break the law and still love. It is that he's put the love in our heart and he uses the Oh, brothers and sisters... His cry is that this new commandment that I have given you, that you love one another, love one another, and thereby fulfilling the law. And he goes on and says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Whoa. You'll notice that love and light is interchangeable. Hatred and darkness is interchangeable. So, he goes on and says, He who loves his brother abides in the what? In the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. Oh, boy, if I love my brother, that means the, who, who, he's not talking about people outside the body of Christ. Read it. He's talking to Brothers and sisters, he's talking to people who belong to the same family. Are we to love other people outside the body of Christ? Yes, we are, but not in the same way. We're to love them by giving them the gospel, the good news of the gospel, and we love them. It doesn't mean that we, that we find someone that is wounded and we don't help them. Yes, we do. We know that is our duty as fellow citizens here in the United States and of the world. But there is a difference in our relationship to the body of Christ. And it says that we are to love. And if we don't love them, then guess what? We hate them. But he who hates, verse 11, his brother, and does not know, he doesn't, and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Why? Because he hated. Now, the difference between hate and love is light and darkness. How many of you know that light will overcome darkness every time? But how many of you know that darkness will never overcome light? I was in Carlsbad Caverns in the deepest bowels of the caverns, and they turn all the lights off, and you can't even see the end of your nose. But you can strike one match. Oh, boy, that showed I was cowboy, didn't it? You can, start, you can strike one match and light up the whole cavern. If you love, you walk in the light. If you hate, you walk in darkness. So what in the world is the difference between love and hate? Or let's say this. What is hate? Hate is darkness, but hate is defined 
when I see somebody and I don't want to go to where they are because of something in me. It is, it is the spirit of aversion. Aversion. Not a virgin. Aversion. It is the spirit of aversion. Like, so th- this guy over here hurt me. And I understand he's going to be at the party this Friday night. I'm not going to the party. That is the spirit of hate. I'm going to tell you something that is hard, going to be hard. I love you, but I love worship and the presence of the Lord and God too much not to tell you. Hate is anything less than love because love lights everything up. A little bit of love will just change everything. And it's the God kind of love, agapeo love. And so whenever we realize that, hey, I don't have a, I, I don't have a choice. I don't want to walk in darkness. Look, look, with, look with me in chapter 4, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment. You want to know what we're to do? How many of you want to know what you're to do for the rest of your life as a believer? How many would like to know that? For the rest of your life. Let me see your hands. You want to know. Rest of your life. What do you want to do as a believer? This is it. It says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of, the, of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Well, we know what commandment he gave. Now then, in verse 20 of chapter 4, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Those people of the same family. Those people of the same family belonging to the same family. I think all of you know that Christianity is in a crisis in America. I know there's a lot of good things going on. Something should have already happened to America. We've had over 200 years as a church to do something. We haven't done it. It's not because we haven't really worked at it. It's not because we haven't spent millions of dollars on television radio and printing and all of that kind of stuff. It's not because we haven't had big meetings in in stadiums and things like that. There's there's something else. There's something missing. They were called Christians. And they were known as Christians by their love. And we stand off to one side and we let people pick on believers and we never come along the side of them and say, Brothers, I know you're being persecuted. We, we, we see people that are bitter and some of us have, have some bitterness in our heart and some, some distaste for other people. And 
to reach a place where we finally say, I'm going to step out by faith and I'm going to love everybody and I'm going to get this reconciliation going in my life. And if they don't receive me, then that's their, their, their problem, but I'm going to love them. You know, I'm, I'm closing two little illustrations. My daddy, my dad's family were Masons. My mom's family were Masons. Thank God. I really thank God. If you want to talk to me about it later, I can tell you why. I really thank God that I wasn't influenced to become a Mason. Because I don't believe in secret societies, for one thing. But I'm not going to get into that. The reason I'm telling you this is because I was in my uncle's, my mother's brother's service station in Lawn, Texas, south of Abilene. And a man drove up, had his family in his car. He walked in and said something to my uncle about having a need. I'm out of gasoline. I don't think our car will drive it another mile. Uh, We're on fumes now. We don't have any food. We're moving here from California. I'm going to Brownwood, Texas. I think I've got a job there, but I'm not sure. And could you help me? Now, if you knew my uncle, he's tighter than Dick's hat band. He squeezed the nickel so, so, so tight makes the buffalo holler. But this guy did something, gave some kind of a sign, some kind of a handshake. And my uncle gave him gasoline, filled up his tank, gave him extra gasoline money, enough money to live on for a month and to pay for an apartment for a month. My my uncle had it. And to pay for an apartment for a month and said, when you get able, if you want to send it back, I would appreciate it. That was it, and he walked out of there. I said to my uncle, having watched this exchange take place, I said, what is this? And he said, he's a brother Mason. He gave me the handshake. He gave me the sign. My wife and I, Christmas, we had two flats on our car going to her mom and dad's when I was a state trooper. We were going to her mother and dad's after I got off shift one night. We made it as far as children's and had two blowouts, had one good spare. Didn't know what I was going to do for another tire. When you're a highway patrolman, it doesn't matter where you are in the state of Texas and in some other states, you pick up the phone and call the nearest trooper and say, I got a problem. Help me. It's the middle of the night. I need a tire. What can I do? And he gets out of bed and he comes and gets someone else out of bed. And they get me a tire and put it on there and don't charge me a dime for it and send me off on the road so that we can spend Christmas with our kids. And it's that way with the state troopers. Why in the world can it be that way with the body of Christ? Why not? Give it a whirl. Oh, God. We made some kind of an organization out of it. It was never intended to be. We are the body of Christ. 
my invitation to you is basically one-fold. If you're bitter towards someone, you're not walking in the light according to Scripture. I don't know how you feel about that, but it seemed clear to me. If you're bitter towards someone, you, you hate someone, you don't like them, it doesn't even have to be like what we would call hate, intent, desire, want to kill them. It could be that. I've been there in my life once. No more, thank God. But if there's any level of bitterness, remember it's anything short of love. Maybe maybe there's something that's been stirring for years inside of you. There's something, someone way back there, somewhere. Or someone recently has hurt you, and you're mad at them, angry, bitter. I want you to get rid of it. I want you to put it in the Lord's hands. I want you to say, God, would you please settle this thing? I surrender it to you, and I want you to settle it. I want you to bring this guy across my path or me across his path or her path or whatever. I want you to do this. I'll be willing to do whatever you tell me to do. If you tell me to call him, I'll call him, whatever it is. But I'm going to put it in your hands, and I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to believe that in, in, in your timing that you'll speak it to my heart, and I will get that thing settled as quickly as you want it done, which I think he wants it done really quick. So what I would like to do would be to offer you this invitation by saying that there's really nothing you can do about your feelings in your heart because you've tried to get rid of them before. And I'm speaking prophetically to some people right now. You've tried to get rid of your feelings before, and you haven't been able to do it. And it's just stayed inside of you and stayed inside of you. But let me tell you, going to a professional counselor is not going to help. Even going to another believer is not going to help that much because it's still rooted inside of you. And he wants to get rid of it. And let me tell you what, when I was going through that time that I mentioned earlier, that time when I hated somebody for the first time and only time in my life that I know I have hated someone, I hated someone. And I hated it so bad that it was on my mind at night, on my mind in the morning, on my mind during the day. And it was just cycling like that all the time. And, and I just, that I'm, I'm about to go crazy. I said to a pastor, a friend of mine, look, I've got to have some help. Do you know a good professional counselor? This pastor friend of mine said, you don't need a counselor. You need to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. And earlier something was said about being filled with the Spirit of God right up here on this platform, being filled with the Spirit. And here's, here's I, said, I said to this pastor, because I didn't, at that time, I was so deep into my hatred till I, I, I didn't know how to go about it. And I'm a, I was a pastor, and I didn't know how to go about it. And this pastor said to me, get in the way of the Lord. And I said, what? I said, what do you mean get in the way of the Lord? He, the pastor just said, get in the way of the Lord. And when I was a kid, I, I mean, I had a, a memory in my mind when, when the pastor said that the second time. I had a memory when I was a kid on the farm 
I would see these whirlwinds, dust devils, whatever you want to call them. And I had more fun with them. I'd see one coming, and I'd go, I'd get over there. Oh, yeah, it's going to be right here. And I'd get right in the way of that thing and stick my fingers in my ears. And I'd go, woo, woo, all of it like that. And I did that as a kid on the farm all the time. And the moment that pastor said, get in the way of the Lord, I saw it immediately. Follow the leadership of the Lord. Where? What's he doing right now? Oh, something's happening here. I don't mean other churches. Something's happening here. Something's happening in my life. No, I, I'm not talking run all over the place. I'm just saying wherever God is moving in your daily life, get in the way of the Lord. It could be in your own prayer time in the morning. Get in the way of the Lord. Let him blow over you. I promise you he will do something in your heart that will release you from that hatred that you've been trying to push down deal with, wash away. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to pray for people who has this bitterness, has this thing that you've been dealing with. You've, tried, you've said, I have said by faith, Lord, I forgive them. And it doesn't happen. You need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm telling you this. This is closing. I mean it. I'm telling you this. Not to drag you down. But to break the chains. And let light come back in. And a hunger for worship and a hunger for His Word to take place in your life. One reason. Break it. Hey, you got something you can play? I know you do. Could we just offer that time right now, Pastor? Could we do that and just offer a time for people to come to the front and just say, God, I believe that some action is necessary on our part. Not just inside of us, but get it outside and come up and kneel and talk to the Lord a minute. And just let the pastor and elders and and come along and just lay hands on you as you're, as you're kneeled up, kneeling up here. Just lay hands on you and pray over you a moment and just go along. And this is your prayer. God, I want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. If it happens today, okay, that's what I want. But if it doesn't, then it'll happen tomorrow. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, it'll happen next week. But I'm going to pursue you. I want a filling of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost in my life. I want to be set free from this thing inside of me. So just come on up as as the music plays and we'll just lay hands on you and and, and you, you believe for right this very moment to receive the Holy Spirit afresh right now. For there to be a renewing of the Spirit of God inside of you. Believe for that right this very moment. And you'll know it because suddenly something will break on the inside of you concerning this issue. Just come on up and we'll, we'll walk along and pray over you. Those of you in the congregation, just wait a moment. Just wait a moment and wait on these. These are your this is your body up here. These are your brothers and sisters up here. Get connected. Pray for them. 
If you want to come up and just lay hands on them, feel free to do that too. I'm sure Pastor wouldn't mind. There may be someone up here that you feel particularly in love with or something and care for. Just walk up and just lay hands on them behind them here and just pray over them in the name of Jesus for a filling of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it. Come on. Come on right now. Exactly. 